If you're at a very low point in life and the outlook is bleak, Pastor Ed Taylor reminds us we can trust God with our lives. He's a rescuing God over and over and over again in our lives. And, and it could just be the difficulty, that could just be the heaviness right now, is God has, he's, he's just, he's, he's stepped back for a minute. It's not like he's left you. It's not like he stopped his relationship with you. It's not like he doesn't love you. It's not like he's not interested. He's just waiting for you to come to the end of yourself so that you might finally cry out to him and trust him with all that's happening in your life. This is amazing grace. Well, maybe today you feel like you've hit rock bottom, that life couldn't get any worse. You're at the end of yourself, and all hope seems lost. Keep listening, as we have some encouragement headed your way here on Abounding Grace. We'll recall a difficult season in King David's life that just may resonate with you. Through it all, we'll discover we can fully trust God with our lives and the situation we find ourselves in. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor with more from 2 Samuel 17. Chapter 17, we're in the middle of a deep crisis in King David's family, partially brought on by his own failures as a parent, but mostly brought on by his rebellious son Absalom and those that lined, aligned themselves with Absalom. It's been said that man's extremities are God's opportunities. And it's true. And I think what's being said is that God really reveals himself in a powerful way when we finally come to the end of ourselves, the extremity of our life. God will often allow us to get to the very end. I mean, right to the end when there's no other option. And it's when we come to the end of ourselves, the place where it's just too much, where you express that I just can't take anymore where finally you make the decision to just give up. That's really the place where God has given the opportunity to work in our lives. At the very end, showing his salvation, revealing his faithfulness. Now some of you take longer in this process than others because you fight and you take things into your own hands and you maneuver and, and you still try and others not so long. There are those of us that seem to be stronger, and actually those that seem to be stronger often have to suffer the most in order to get to the end of themselves where you finally give up. Remember the son that left his dad? He's often known as the prodigal son. He began to look at the things in his life that really required, that were required in his life particularly for him to finally come to the end. I mean, he started out so strong, so confident. He started out like, Dad, I just want what's mine. I want to take my chances in the world. 
I, I want my inheritance now. I, I don't want to live here anymore. I don't want to be with you anymore. And, and to some degree, when you look at that story, in order you know, for him to tell his dad that he wanted his inheritance was a form of what you might hear today. You know, dad, I wish you were dead because I want what's mine now while you're alive. Maybe even exhibiting a strained relationship between father and son, even in that story that Jesus shares. But you know, the son that left his dad had to run out of money. He had to lose all of his supposed friends. He had to experience a serious famine. He had to find a job when there were none available. He found a job finally that was what? Feeding pigs. He sat there feeding the pigs and he experienced the hunger that came with the famine and the lack of food and and the pig slop that was before him. So hungry was he that he was willing to eat what was in front of him. He experienced loneliness and sadness, regret, until finally the Bible says in Luke 15 verse 17, when he came to himself. It happened through a long series of events one after another after another. And God in his love for you and me and his desire to take me to higher spiritual levels, his desire to build maturity in our lives will often allow me to get to the place where I see for myself my own limitations, my own weaknesses, the feebleness of what I really have to offer God. Even after walking with him for 25 years, I have the same to offer him as I did as a new believer. Nothing. It's my life. I owe him everything. He allows me to see that many times in my life, so I'll just throw myself completely upon him. Where there'll be a level of commitment in my life and yours that wasn't there before. So that I'll learn how to commit my situations to the Lord constantly and continually in relationship so that I'll pray more diligently seeking him in deeper ways so that I'll express my love to him in a fresh way in an expectant way and I'll wait upon him so that I might receive that love in a very tangible way back from my God who's alive who's not dead who relates to us in very real ways he'll let me get to the end of myself so that So that I'll realize that, well, my sufficiency is in him and not in myself. He'll let me get to the end of myself so I'll realize that it's his power and not mine. He'll let me and allow me to get to the end myself so that he might show up to deliver me and remind me that he's the deliverer. That he's promised to never leave or forsake me. So that at the end of that situation and the end of that trial and the end of that season and the end of that time, my mouth will praise him. My heart will appreciate him and he will be glorified as others watch my life. There's not many people glorifying God when you take things into your own hands. When you seek to fix and to maneuver and to try to wiggle out of what's going on in your life. Paul would put it this way, He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 4, from the New Living Translation, we are confident of all this because of our great trust in God through Christ. It's not that we think that we can do anything of lasting value by ourselves. Listen, our only power and success come from God. And only when you're at the end of your, the end of the rope, the end of the line, 
when there's no other hope, where God will even allow situations to, to occur where they're outside of your power, they're outside of your reasoning, they're outside of your successes, they're outside of your resources. But you know, God will even allow situations into our lives that are beyond the resources of man, period. How, how could you not feel that when you're sitting in the doctor's office and the doctor comes in and says, these are the results and, and there's really nothing we can do. And you're just sitting there hopeless in thinking of well, who's going to help me now. And when you come to the end of that hopeless and your heart comes back to the Lord, you're like, well, Lord, it's you and me. It's always been you and him for sure. But such a great trial, such a great waiting. All the tension and the stress of waiting for the test results. All the tension of the stress of, of what am I going to do and how it, it's going to be okay. I don't know if it's going to be okay. This is what they said. I looked it up online and then finally the doctor comes in and what do you do but you completely throw yourself upon the mercy of God, upon the grace of God. I know some of you have been really wrestling with the question. You've been really wrestling with the question, God, why have you allowed this to happen in my life? Why me and why now? Where's your help? Your Bible says that you're going to help me. Where's your help? Why do the evil seem to be so successful as the psalmist would say? I look around and I don't, I don't see your justice. I look around and I don't, I don't see you acting, God, according to your scriptures. You tell me to wait and you, you tell me to wait upon you and then you say as I'm waiting on you that I'll get stronger but I feel weaker. And you're really wrestling. Why don't you just stop it, Lord? Why don't you just deliver me now? Why don't you just stop them? Could it be that in your situation that you're still struggling in it? And you go, Ed, what do you mean? Well, could it be that while with your lips you've committed it to the Lord, but in your mind you certainly haven't? Could it be you're still trying to figure a way out of it? trying to justify some action? Could it be that you're still alive in the situation and not dead to yourself? Are you still trying to manipulate it? Still trying to work things out? Are you not dead to yourself yet? I have to say in my own life, I've witnessed this time and time again, that as long as I have one idea left to work it out, God just waits. As long as I have one more thought of how God just waits. As long as I'm justifying and as long as I'm trying to, to bring about something that might just if and if, God will just watch. As long as you're still thinking how to fix it, God will watch us and wait until finally we give up and give in. The Bible says this, Jesus teaching in Matthew chapter 5, God blesses those who realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is given to them. Look, if your plans really did work, you know, all the thoughts in your mind, all the things you would want, if your plans really did work and they really did come to pass, if all our maneuverings and our manipulations, our reasoning, our good explanations, if they all did really come to pass, then we would be tempted to take the credit for the solution. 
we would be tempted to take credit for ending. We would take, no doubt, part of the glory. I mean, don't get me wrong. We go, oh, praise God. But inside we go, you know, it worked. I, I, I was thinking right. I, I was thinking and I was thinking just like the Lord was thinking. And we would take part of the credit. You know, like we were learned as a young kid. I don't know if you read this book to your kids, but we did. We get it from the library. I remember reading as a little kid, but it was about that, that little train engine that could. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. That was ingrained into us. Some of you can picture the little engine right now. and Not Thomas the Tank. It's way before Thomas the Tank. I think I can. I think I can. And and everything in our society is, you know, you're going to do it. You're going to make it. It's going to be okay. You're going to get through it. And the, the philosophy of the world isn't, is not the same as the philosophy. See, for a believer saying that, we always have to, we always, we kind of take it for granted. You're going to make it in the Lord. You're going to make it in his strength. You're going to make it in his will. He's going to sustain you and strengthen you. But in the world that we grew up in, the world that we currently live in, the world that our kids are exposed to now, when the thought is you're going to make it, it's just all about you. You're going to make it. You're smart enough. You're going to make it because you're educated. You live in the best country in the world. You're going to make it. You're going to make it with no sense of power or strength or, or no sense of depending upon God as creator in a society that's completely eliminated God from our vocabulary. You see, when your solutions work, that does not glorify God. But when we get to the end and we give up, God rescues us and delivers us and saves us, and then glory be to God who has worked on our behalf. And we realize the fallenness of our world and the power of God. Friends, that's where David is right now. Is that where you're at? That's where David is. That's his life. In a very real way, in a very painful way, one after another after another, we're not talking about the difficulties of a flat tire on his chariot, as difficult as that might be. Or finding out that your engine blew right after the warranty. That, that, we're not talking about that. Oh, as difficult as that is. We're not talking about eating the same meal twice a day or twice a week. We're talking about pain after pain after pain in his life. We're, we're, we're talking about rebellion in his own heart. The man after God's own heart rebelling for a brief moment, for a brief season, bringing upon himself consequences of forgiven sin the rest of his life. We're, we're talking about the example that he left as, his, as parents to his kids that, that not all of his kids followed his example, but a couple of his kids followed his example. And now one of those kids, after murdering his brother, has now taken it upon himself to get, he lost all respect for his dad, all respect for David, King David, all the stories, perhaps a little resentful in his heart, thinking they didn't get the right attention. Tired of what people are thinking about his dad and thinking, oh, I'm better than my dad. And taking the course of action to undermine his own dad. To lie about his own dad. To turn his own dad's friends against him. To turn people, I mean, at the highest level of government this is happening. It's not just in our home on a side street in a suburb. This is on display for all to see. So much so that we have it recorded for us for all history this pain of David. We're living it with him. We're going through it with him. 
one thing after another in his life, finally being met as he's running away from the kingdom with his entourage. We learned last week this guy Shimei is so bold and brash to come out start throwing rocks at him and his entourage, cussing him out, telling him he's a bloodthirsty man, basically saying, David, you're getting what you finally deserved. You're getting it, finally. It's all caught up to you. You, never, you could never run away from it. You know, and, and basically, not only, you know, everything that's happening to David is happening to his God as well. That's blasphemy against God. It's like Shimei saying, you know what? The God that you declare is, for, is a forgiver, that's not God. That's not your, that you misunderstand that God is a God of, of wrath and judgment. And David, you'll never get away with it. And he's just, man, everybody's turning. I mean, that came right after he was told that Mephibosheth turned on him, the one that he showed so much love and grace to, which was a lie. And he's just, if you weren't with us last week, I'd encourage you to pick up the studies. Actually, the last few weeks, this is such a key critical part of David's life, which would prepare you for these key critical parts of brokenness in our lives. Every one of us is going to face some form of brokenness. Every one of us is going to face some mess that has been created by sin, whether it's ours or theirs or a combination. We live in a world of sin. The wages of sin is death. So there's going to be so much of this craziness weaving through our lives. And as we get closer to the culmination of time and the coming of the Lord, it's only going to increase. The Bible says in the last days that the heart of men is going to grow cold. Who do you think is going to deal with the coldness of hearts and the hardness of hearts? Believers. That we don't place our hope in man. That we learn to place our hope in the Lord. That's where David is, but he's not quite there yet. It's not that he's lost hope. He's just dealing with the reality of all this stuff happening. And on, you know, on top of that, it's not that he's completely discouraged, because I think there'll be a little bit of encouragement when Abishai comes out and says, David, we'll take care of it for you. I will cut the guy's head off and we'll be done with it. You know, how, I mean, come on. Somebody's watching your back like that. I mean, he was a little, Zariah, what am I going to do with you? You're crazy. Don't do that. It's from the Lord. But, but a little bit, it's like, well, well, yeah, I'll just turn away, cut his head off, and come on back. We'll be fine. I mean, think about it. Some of the things you have, issues with people right now, you may not have ever prayed that somebody cut their head off, but maybe like the Psalms, Lord, break their teeth. That'd be fine. Just give them a little bit. Just break their teeth. It's just something they, they can get over, but it'll be painful for a while. Or even worse yet, you become bitter. You want revenge. Um, you know, it's all not from the Lord. But how does revenge and how do these things come but by offenses and how we handle offenses? And David has been offended after offense, after offense, after offense. And one of the things that has kept him the strongest was his response to Abishai. No, don't cut his head off. This is from the Lord. God has allowed this in my life. And at the end he said, hey, as bad as it is, as bad as it is, maybe the Lord will bless me. If I handle it right, maybe the Lord will bless me. That's where David is. So the next time somebody comes to you and says, hey, look, the Bible's not relevant, doesn't really apply today, they just really haven't read it. And, you know, if they're an unbeliever, we know that the Bible, the Bible it tells us uh, just like we were before we were saved, that our eyes are blinded. 
it's really hard to see these things. But I'll tell you, the way that believers' eyes are blinded is that they're blinded by the difficulties in their lives. They're blinded by the difficulties that keep lopping on, lopping on, and they close their eyes to the grace of God. And you close your eyes willingly to the love of God. And you close your eyes willingly to the forgiving, saving power of God. And God is still saving God. He still saves today. He saves in the broader sense of salvation and the forgiveness of our sins through the blood of Jesus Christ. But he's a rescuing God over and over and over again in our lives. And, and it could just be the difficulty, that could just be the heaviness right now, is God has, he's, he's just, he's, he's stepped back for a minute. It's not like he's left you. It's not like he stopped his relationship with you. It's not like he doesn't love you. It's not like he's not interested. He's just waiting for you to come to the end of yourself so that you might finally cry out to him and trust him with all that's happening in your life. You're listening to Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace, and he'll be right back. Today's message, You Can Trust God With Your Life, is part of a series in 2 Samuel, and you can hear it again online at calvaryaurora.org or call 877-30-GRACE to request a CD copy. And we have a couple of apps that we'd like to recommend that are free and available on all platforms. Search for Calvary Aurora and the Grace FM Colorado apps. You'll be able to access Pastor Ed's teachings there. At Abounding Grace, we're committed to delivering God's Word to stations like this every day. But we can't do it alone. We're very thankful for the listeners that come alongside us. And if you'd like to help us reach people with the love and truth of Christ, please visit calvaryaurora.org or call 877-30-GRACE. And as you give $25 or more today, we'll say thanks by sending you The Holy Land Key by Ray Bentley. It's an eye-opener to some little-known aspects of prophecy. You'll learn about God's master plan revealed in the seven feasts of the Lord, the significant prophetic patterns discovered in the lunar cycle, and receive glimpses of God's future kingdom as revealed in the stories of people in Scripture. Ask for a copy of The Holy Land Key, Unlocking End Times Prophecy Through the Lives of God's People in Israel, as you call 877-30-GRACE, or turn to calvaryaurora.org on the web. Let's dig deeper now into the story. From 2 Samuel 17, here again is Ed. Moreover, Ahithophel said to Absalom, Ahithophel was that sweet counselor to David. You could say he was his best, best friend, his BFF, his absolute most trusted man on the earth to David, has also turned against him. The grandfather of Bathsheba, it could be that that was the offense that he couldn't get over, he couldn't forgive. Bitterness is completely overtaking him. He's chosen side with Absalom. And just notice how bad he's turned. Moreover, Ahithophel said to Absalom, Now let me choose 12,000 men, and I will arise and pursue David tonight. I'll come upon him while he's weary and weak and make him afraid. And all the people who are with him will flee, and I will strike only the king. Do you think Ahithophel has a problem with David? Yes or no? You guys with me? Ahithophel has an issue with David. And he has just given advice to Absalom, I will strike the king. How long has he been nursing that? Rehearsing that in his mind. Then I will bring back, verse 3, all the people to you, 
When all return except the man whom you seek, then all the people will be at peace. And the saying pleased Absalom and all the elders of Israel. This is a serious step suggested by the man who was once David's close confidant, by his best friend. Absalom, let me get 12,000 people and I'll go kill your dad. That's the solution. That'll solve your problem, Absalom. It'll solve my problem too. And it says in verse 4 that not only did the saying please Absalom, but all the elders of Israel, and that would be all the elders that have sided with Absalom. Everybody's happy. It's quite the rebellion. The murder of David pleased so many. You know, that's when you know your heart is far from the Lord, when the murder is pleases so many. In Zechariah chapter 8, jot it down, verse 16, it says, These are the things you shall do. Speak each man the truth to his neighbor. Give judgment in your gates for truth, justice, and peace. Let none of you think evil in your heart against your neighbor. And do not love a false oath, for all these things I hate, saith the Lord. That's a repeated theme. I didn't go through and list all of the scriptures, but this hating your neighbor, speaking evil of your neighbor, it's forbidden throughout the scriptures. And you just know that's a bad place. We'll share the rest of that story tomorrow on Abounding Grace as Ed Taylor continues through 2 Samuel. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Chapel Aurora.